many of the princes of Israel in the time of Moses, at the most miraculous age in Jewish history, still found it hard to believe that their miraculous tale would continue upon the entry into Canaan. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 63, Herman Woke, Jericho, and the Jewish Miracle. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Some years ago, several Anglo-Jewish college students came to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and asked for a suggestion to guide their intellectual engagements. Writes Rabbi Sachs, quote, I thought for a moment and then I suggested this. There are many Jews today doing interesting and significant things. There are artists and academics, judges and doctors, politicians and heads of voluntary organizations, writers and journalists. Their work must raise, in a myriad ways, important questions about what to do and how to live. Write to them and ask them whether they would give you a brief personal statement about what being a Jew means to them and how it makes a difference to their lives. You will then have a series of texts that you will be able to compare with some of the classic statements of our tradition. You will be able to listen to the voices of the past and those of the present. And between them, you can construct a fascinating series of discussions on what being a Jew might mean to you. End quote. Rabbi Sachs further informs us that the students were delighted with the idea and sent out over 200 letters, and they received only six responses, three of which were shown to Rabbi Sachs. The first writer reflected that his Jewishness was, quote, just an attribute which I take for granted as belonging to me, part of the minimum description of me as a person. I am neither proud of it nor embarrassed by it, end quote. The second letter described the Jews as a proud and ancient community, but the writer reflected that his belonging to the Jews was due to his birth, and he said nothing of Judaism's unique contributions to the world. The third response was the worst. It reflected that given how many Jews have suffered throughout history, Jewishness should be considered akin to an hereditary disease. Rabbi Sachs further wrote, quote, The students felt let down, and to be honest, so did I. Here were three Jews, none of them hostile to Judaism or the Jewish people, two religiously committed, and the third famous for his defense of some central Jewish values. Each had taken the trouble to write a message to the next generation, yet the message itself was strangely ambivalent. For the first two, being Jewish was a mere accident of birth. For the third, it was worse than an accident, it was an illness. The students felt, and I agreed, that there was nothing here on which a college course could be built, end quote. And so Rabbi Sachs set out to write a book about why one ought to be particularly proud to be born into Jewishness and to feel obligated to bear the heritage of Judaism into the future. In America, this book is known as A Letter in the Scroll. The experience of Rabbi Sachs and the students is sad and striking, and it points to one of the great ironies of Jewish history, one which rightly understood can be seen by contrasting one of the early episodes of the book of Joshua to a much more famous tale in the Torah. Having succeeded Moses, Joshua prepares to cross the Jordan and to engage in his first battle, which will be against the city-state of Jericho. Chapter 2. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land and Jericho. Thus, spies are sent by Joshua into the Holy Land. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when we hear the opening of this story, we are understandably anxious. After all, we well remember what happened when Moses, 40 years before, sent spies to the land of Israel. The spies returned, with all except for Joshua and Kalev, 
expressing their own fear, their own belief that winning the forthcoming battles would be impossible. And their contagious fears immediately infected the people, leading to the previous generation wandering and dying in the desert for four decades, with only Joshua and Kalev, men of courage and faith, remaining. Now, with Joshua himself sending spies, we might think to ourselves, what if something terrible happens again? How can Joshua, a man who witnessed what happened last time, send spies once more? But we need not be worried. As Rabbi Yigal Ariel has noted, this story of the spies in Joshua is the mirror image of the previous tale in the Torah. The first hint to this reversal is that the men sent by Moses were named one by one. They were leaders of their tribes. The identity of the second set of spies, those sent by Joshua, remains, at least in the text of the Tanakh, unknown. They are merely men, anashim. But that is not the only way in which the spy scenario will reverse the earlier story. As we mentioned, there were heroes in the tale of the spies that Moses sent, valiant Israelites who steadfastly kept the faith, Kalev and Joshua, who insisted the land is very good, and let us go up, for we are surely able to achieve it. There will also be a hero in the second spy scenario, in the story in the book of Joshua, but the hero will not be an Israelite. Indeed, the hero will be someone utterly unexpected. The end of the first verse in Joshua chapter 2 describes the spy's arrival in Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a Zonah, named Rachav, and lodged there. Zonah in Hebrew usually means prostitute, and while there are rabbinic commentators that interpret the word differently here, the most obvious meaning of the verse is that Rachav was a prostitute, and that while the spies, of course, did not patronize Rachav's establishment, they nevertheless visited the establishment as part of the cover through which these Israelite spies would enter and stay in the town. But these Israelite spies could never have predicted the profound faith in the God of Israel that this woman, Rachav, would ultimately illustrate. And they also could never have predicted that they would in the end owe Rachav their lives. Verse 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in here tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rachav, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, who are entered into thy house, for they are come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men to me, but I know not from where they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Rachav suggests to the king's men that they search for the Israelite spies, and they leave endeavoring to do so, not knowing that the men were actually still on Rachav's premises. Thus did Rachav save two Israelites, and she soon explains why because the tale of the people of Israel is so wondrous that it is obvious to her that Israel will ultimately be victorious against the city and land in which she dwells. Verse 9, And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your fearsomeness is fallen upon us. So Israel, Rachav is saying, will surely triumph. And, she adds, the Canaanites are terrified. How does she know that Israel's victory is certain? She further reflects that she learned this first and foremost from the miracles of the Exodus. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Sea of Reeds before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Emori that were on the far side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og. 
Rachav asked the Israelites to save her and her family as she has saved them. And she concludes with religious reverence at the end of verse 11, saying, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. We can now confront the fascinating fact that whereas the original spies from the book of Numbers, who were in the Hebrew description Nisi'e da Kriye Moed An Sheshem, princes of the congregation, men of renown, those men were not sure if Israel would emerge victorious in Canaan. While it is a Canaanite, Rachav, who sees more clearly than those original spies did the miraculous nature of the people of Israel. Recall the contention of the men sent by Moses. With the exception of Joshua and Kalev, they spoke of the fierceness of the Canaanite warriors and how pathetically puny they, the Israelites themselves, were in comparison. We were, they said, as grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we were in their eyes. So the first set of spies, those sent by Moses, were convinced that their smallness made conquest impossible. So ponder this, ladies and gentlemen. Those men, the men who had expressed fear, the men who did not believe Israel could conquer Canaan, those men had seen the splitting of the sea. They were men who had stood at Sinai. They were men who ate the manna. And they still had not come to terms with the manifestly miraculous nature of the people of Israel. In contrast, a Canaanite woman in Jericho remembers the wonders of the Exodus from 40 years ago and entirely understands the implications of Israel's supernatural story. And this points to something extraordinary in Jewish history. At times, there are non-Jews that recognize the remarkable nature of the Jewish tale, even as many Jews, who themselves could be living at uniquely wondrous moments, nevertheless fail to truly reflect upon the wonder of this miracle. This brings us back to Rabbi Sachs. The next time he spoke to a group of Jewish students, he read to them the responses that were received from the Jewish intellectuals. Then, he writes, I asked them to listen, meaning he asked the students, I asked them to listen to some other voices reflecting on Judaism and the Jewish people. I read to them these words by the great Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy. The Jew is that sacred being who has brought down from heaven the everlasting fire and has illumined with it the entire world. He is the religious source, spring, and fountain out of which all the rest of the peoples have drawn their beliefs and their religions. Rabbi Sachs also cited John Adams that the Hebrews had done more to civilize men than any other nation and other important figures. And Rabbi Sachs then adds in his book that, quote, I found myself in the presence of not one mystery but two. Who were and are this people who have exercised so great an influence on Western civilization? And why this strange contrast between what non-Jews and Jews have to say about them? Why was it that while non-Jews saw in Jews and Judaism something extraordinary, Jews themselves went to such elaborate lengths to deny it, to claim the virtue of being ordinary, as if it were a rare and special achievement. This much, Rabbi Sachs continued, was clear to me, that there is confusion and demoralization at the heart of contemporary Jewish identity. End quote. Rabbi Sachs was of course correct, but this is not only a contemporary phenomenon, because even many of the princes of Israel in the time of Moses, at the most miraculous age in Jewish history, still found it hard to believe that their miraculous tale would continue upon the entry into Canaan. In contrast, the second set of spies, those sent by Joshua, understand the astonishing nature of their people, and they are further inspired by Rachav to see themselves as she sees them. They promise to save Rachav and her family and establish a sign through which her home will be marked for salvation when the battle commences. 
The spies then depart and return to Joshua. Verse 22. And they went and came to the mountain and remained there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all the things that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. The men conclude this chapter, in other words, inspired by what Rachav was able to see in Israel's story. And we, the readers, are thereby inspired to see that miracle ourselves. Rabbi Sachs was not the first prominent Jewish writer to make the case for the wonder of Judaism. In the 1950s, the American Jewish author Herman Woke had it all. He had written the bestseller The Cain Mutiny, which was made into a movie with Humphrey Bogart. Then, at the height of his acclaim, Woke published a book titled This Is My God, which is an explanation of Torah observance and an unabashed defense of Jewish religious tradition. To journalists and literati, this was a paradox. As Time magazine argued at the time, Woke, quote, seems like an enigmatic character in search of an author. He is a devout Orthodox Jew who has achieved worldly success in worldly wise Manhattan, while adhering to the dietary prohibitions and traditional rituals, which many of his fellow Jews find embarrassing, end quote. But as I put it in an article in Commentary, this is not a paradox at all. A novelist like Woke knew a great story when he saw one, and he was surely struck by the fact that many of those very same American Jews that avidly read his novels appeared to ignore the most interesting plot of all, a plot that was true. Some American Jews, Woke wrote in the 1950s, may seek to sever all bonds from the rituals of Jewish tradition that set Jews apart. But he, Woke, was writing his book, This Is My God, for them, because he believed that deep down, both Jew and non-Jew knew there was something unique about the Jewish people. And he was writing in order to explain what it is. As he put it, quote, there is a, I cannot say what, a feeling, not even a feeling, a shadow of a notion, nothing more substantial than the pointless but compelling impulse to knock on wood when one talks of the health of children, something that says there is more to the Jews than meets the eye. There is a mystery about the Jews. This mystery makes the very word Jew a sure shocker on the stage. Because of this mystery, many readers will come to the book and read it through, disagreeing, it may be, with every line of it, but pressing forward to find some light on the puzzle. And within this mystery lies the reason for the folk pride of the house of Abraham. End quote. So he wrote, and Woke's book, which so surprised his contemporaries, sold 200,000 copies in one year and continues to sell to this day. Herman Woke died in 2019, and Rabbi Sachs passed away in 2020. Now others must take up the task of expressing, to the best of their ability, the miracle of the Jewish people, describing what one woman in Jericho understood so many millennia ago. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.